Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonblest Podcast, take two. It's been a day. I'm your host, Blake Murphy, coming to you from the media room at the Toronto Raptors Training Center. Joining me, as always, in his branded The Athletic zip-up hoodie, Eric Green. Eric, how are you? I'm okay. How are you, Blake? Oh, about the same as always. The Jaguars lost in England, which I feel like doesn't happen, but given how bad they generally are, maybe it happens more than I yeah, I haven't, I haven't been keeping uh, keeping tabs on it, but uh, even Sir Blake Bortles couldn't get it done. Bortles, he could not get it done. This is not a football podcast. I do think that I do very much like that the Jaguars have become like everyone's jokey second favorite team because of the good place. Yeah, and by everybody we mean probably a very small corner of the internet. Yeah, our echo chamber on Twitter. Yeah. That's everybody. Yeah, that's that's everyone who matters. The people who those people and the people who listen to this podcast, which yeah. I assume there is some overlap with. Probably. We're not going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars much. We're going to talk about your Toronto Raptors, who are, as you predicted in last week's episode, six and zero. Nostradamus. Yes, they were three and zero when we last recorded, and then they went on a, a or not went on continued that run with three home victories. Uh, they beat. Charlotte, Minnesota, and Dallas. None of them were exceptionally notable games. Uh, the Raptors are a better team than all of those teams. The Wolves are a mess. Dallas was down several pieces and isn't that good. And Charlotte was, I don't know, it was fun. They didn't really cool off Kemba Walker, but it didn't matter. It was another really strong week. Raptors are pretty talented. They have a lot of good players, and even as they don't look 100% cohesive yet, or even as they can't or just don't seem to want to string more than nine or ten minutes together, it's fine because that talent is, is going to win out. Kawhi Leonard is able to get to his spots without much difficulty. As you start to see this week, more than last week perhaps, he's damn good in the mid-range. Really, really good. It's very surprising when he misses a 16-footer. Well, he's much stronger than everyone and has yeah. better footwork than everyone, and that helps him create a lot of separation. And then his jumper's pretty good. Yeah. It's crazy how those you, you pair those things together, yeah. and you give him 30% of the team's offensive possessions, and the numbers pile up. Yeah. I thought the Dallas game was actually one of their worst games, considering how great of a start they had. Yeah. That, they, that was definitely like taking the... I know it's a cliche, but they definitely took their foot off the pedal. Yeah, the, the lead dwindled from yeah. 17 to 1 and in the missed, snap of a finger. Yeah, and they missed, Dallas missed free throws to take the lead. And, yeah. There uh, was a lot of poor defense of the three-point line, which is a point that Nick Nurse made earlier as well um, because, you know, part of it is, oh, well, like teams are going to hit shots, but also, you know, maybe you close out a little less aggressively once you're up 17 uh, or whatever. Um, the Raptors have not defended the three-point line exceptionally well uh, yet, which, you know, is something... I, we were going to talk about it later, but we may as well just get into it because there were a couple of those lapses, and as you mentioned, uh, you know, they haven't strung more than nine or ten minutes together. Is that... You can look at that one of two ways. The, the first way is that that's really troubling, that they can't play consistently and, and defend evenly over the course of a game. Uh, the other hand would be, well, it's not realistic to expect that over 48 minutes, and the fact that their defensive upside you know their fastball so to speak has been so good 
that if they can maintain that for, for an extended period of time, uh, they might look very dangerously. Uh, this coming week, they're going to get at least two very good chances to, to test that. Um, where is your concern level, or, or how do you feel about the fact that you know this is a team that at for five or six minutes looks like the best defensive basketball, and then for three or four minutes after that does not look like the best defensive basketball. Yeah, I mean, they're ranked 10th in the league in defense, defensive rating, so given the effort things and, and sort of effort, I hate that word, given the attention to detail and focus, I think focus is the better word, uh, those signs have been troubling, but on the whole I'm not troubled. Uh, just because as the games matter more and the situations matter more, it seems like uh, certainly we've seen as the situation matters more, they've been able to, to find it when they need it. And against Dallas, they were without OG Ananobi and without DeLon Wright, who are two... And without Fred Van Vliet. Yes, uh, but from a defensive standpoint, I'd say the first two are you know, very valuable pieces. Not that Van Vliet isn't, but he, uh, he definitely provides some pressure on the ball that that helps the rest of the defense sort of form, but they were missing some key pieces, and still, those first six minutes and those last six minutes, like, Dallas couldn't breathe. Uh, again, they were missing Dennis Smith Jr., so... And that, Dirk. That's a thing. Missing and, Dirk. Yeah. Which has Dirk. been, which has been that all-season thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Luka Doncic, lots of fun, and yeah. better defensively than I would have expected yeah, him to do he, against Kawhi. He, um... He had a one play where he just lost Kawhi on, and this is another focus issue. Like Kawhi went over on a screen, no, he went under on a screen, and Doncic took a step back and he drilled a three. And I don't think when the situation is that important, that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, I wrote about it after I want to say Monday's game. Could have been one. Who'd they play on Wednesday? Minnesota. Maybe it was Wednesday's game. Um, they have so many dynamic defensive players that they're going to be fine. This is my general tip. Yeah. And so, look, a, a lot of this stuff is like, one, it's unrealistic to expect 48, ga- 48 minutes, 82 games of perfect defensive intensity. Um, and more more than anything, to me, the, the kind of saving grace of that is that when they have locked in, it's not a matter of just like, oh, well, Kawhi's really good individually, Green's really good individually, OG's really good individually. They have been like on a string as a group. And Zach Lowe highlighted it in his 10 things on yeah. Friday. Uh, and we've seen a lot of that of just like these guys – have already started to build some of the necessary cohesion on that. And obviously defensive talent is really important, um, but that communication and that knowledge of how you want to defend, especially since they left out a lot of the switching in training camp, yeah. um, you know, I think that's a smart approach. Get your base defenses down and then you can add the switching later. Uh, it's probably a lot harder to come out of the gate switching everything and then later on be like, oh yeah, we should also probably you know, have a defensive focus when when we're not switching all over the perimeter so um when those sets have been locked in i think they've looked you know tremendous like a top three defense so yeah and i think that's they're going to be a top five defense by the end of the year is my prediction uh yeah i wouldn't lock that down because lots of things can happen but uh, they're just so talented and if those small communicative things are coming along at you know a good pace which they seem to be 
there just aren't many teams that can touch him on that end. Uh, so, you know, I, I it's totally fine. Uh, I, I think we're sort of looking for things to. Of course we are. It's, yeah, it's a six and zero start, yeah, yeah. and writing about how ridiculously good they are, you know, seven games in a row is a little. Yeah. Which is why you know, thankfully, the next two games are very good litmus tests. Even though it's early, Milwaukee and Philly are two of the top four teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they both employ between them three incredibly unique, talented young players who kind of force you to get that defensive yeah. attention to detail down. Uh, in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Uh, it's going to be a fun couple of games. Before we talk about those two, I uh, want to quickly touch on the offensive end and how things have looked there for the Raptors in this 6-0 start. And I think, you know, the thing most pe- that stands out to most people, obviously Kawhi Leonard has been quite good, even though, you know, they would tell you he's not getting the calls that he might get down the line uh, with just five free they, throw they, attempts per they game. They started that from game one. That was really, they did uh, it in the preseason. Yeah, really great. Yeah, um, which is, hey, you know, you got you to gotta start getting that in now. Um, even with the low free throws, the Raptors' offense ranks in the top five right now. Uh, their effective field goal percentage is third in the league. Uh, they've done well on the offensive glass, which is a, maybe not surprising, but they haven't been a very good defensive rebounding team, so it's interesting to see that kind of clash. Uh, I wrote about the rebounding earlier this or, or last week, rather. Um, so you look at all of those things and, oh, okay, what is there to worry about on the offensive end? Well, right now, nothing, because Kyle Lowry has been insane. Um, he is putting up monstrous numbers. He has a 72.7 true shooting percentage. Uh, and it's Like, gi- is that good? It's r- ridiculously good. To give you an idea, he is using slightly less than an average player would in terms of finishing his team's possessions. He has a usage rate of 19.9%. Even with that lower usage rate, he's averaging almost 20 points a game. Uh, I'd imagine the the list of players who average 20 points a game on 20% usage or lower is very tiny if it exists at all. This is why they shouldn't be chanting MVP for Kawhi. They were chanting that for Lorenzo Brown. Yes. yes. But they should be chanting it for Kyle Lowry. On top of that, Lowry has a 41.4% assist rate. He leads the NBA in assists per game. He leads the NBA in points created by assists per game by a fairly significant margin. Uh, Kyle Lowry, over everything... Over many, many things. He's been great. Look, um, and we could actually say over every one in this case because basketball references MVP metric right now, which just takes stats and spits out, you know, who has the most MVP case right now? Number one. Lyle Cowry. Yeah, over everything. Um, what's really, I mean, he's taken so many of those deep threes, including one from just inside the logo on Friday night, and and it's working exactly... I mean, first of all, he's hitting them, which is amazing. Yeah. But it's working exactly as you would think. Like, this, you know, they need to start to cover him, and then he's able to make those dump-in passes to Oh, the Serge Wolves, Ibaka. he picked like Carl Anthony Towns apart with Yeah. Um, I wrote about that yeah, this week, too. It's, it's, it's just his, his passing, and this happens when there's more spacing on the floor, too, because you're not really risking throwing dangerous entry passes into areas where teams are going to swarm because more often than not, teams have to stay home on shooters. But his ability as a six-foot point guard, and you know, six-foot is being kind, um, hmm. to make those entry passes from fairly far away uh, has been really magnificent. And obviously, Serge Ibaka is doing a lot more with them than 
we're used to seeing. But again, that's a product of having more space and not having to worry about having the ball stripped from you immediately. Uh, Can I offer a hot take that it, it seems hot given how well everything has gone on the offensive end and the fact that he's the league leader in assists and creating points by assists? Go ahead. He is shooting way too few three-pointers. His three-pointer attempts per uh, on a per-possession basis are down 40% from last year. Mm-hmm. And I understand Kawhi is using almost 30% of possessions. He's getting his bigs involved more. Teams are much more aware of Kyle Lowry pulling up from deep. Uh, he's still hitting 52.8% on threes, even if that comes down to you know, 40, 41, where he's sat the last three seasons. Uh, I am okay with Kyle Lowry taking any number of three-pointers he would like as long as it's higher than the current six. He could pick any number higher than six per game, <laughs> well, last, and I'm going to be on board with it. Well, last year, what was it, like 62 or 63% of his total field goal attempts were three-pointers, yeah. and I don't know what he's at It's now. a little under 50%. Right? Um, so you would expect that to come up at some point. Yes. Uh, he isn't shooting as many, and uh, you know, I think, again, that comes down to what you said, like reading and reacting and, and not... Yeah, look, he's, he's not much. passing up open yeah. threes and, or anything. And, I just find yeah. them to be very fun and... And the look, Raptors are scoring 115.7 per 100 and... Yeah, that, they're also 8th in the league in 3-point percentage and 8th in the league in 3-point volume. Like, there's, there's nothing wrong here. And I would say it's nice to see him attacking yeah. a bit more than he did last year. I, I just want like. more. I want yeah. him to be putting up 30 points per game on 73% true shooting. He's not into and that. And 20%... <laughs> He's not into it. <laughs> He's I, not. I do agree. I think he... He should be shooting more threes, but I think it's, it's, it'll come. Yes, like, this feels yeah. ridiculous. He's averaging basically 20 and 10, mm-hmm. leading the league in scoring efficiency and passing. And I'm like, you know what? Be less, you, be you less could, efficient. You could do more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It feels, it feels very um, greedy. Yeah. But you know, the Raptors. I, I just said they're eighth by three point volume, but that's on a per game basis. They're only 12th in three point volume in terms of by possession. Yeah. Which is. Fine, you don't have to be at the top of the league in everything. Like I said, they're third in effective field goal percentage, so they're making more of those shots. But because they're not getting to the line right now, and because they're turning the ball over a little bit more than we're used to, you know, we've talked about them wanting to win the possession battle, which basically everyone gets the same number of possessions, but if you can turn those into shooting possessions um, by winning the rebounding and the turnover battle, that is, you know, a more efficient approach. Well, they're not doing that, so they need to be even more efficient with the shots that they do take. Um, I think they'll finish higher than 12th in three-point rate. Right now, 36.9% of their attempts have come from beyond the arc. Crazy that that's only 12th in the league, uh, but it is where it is. It is where it is. Yes. Uh, uh, a spin on the old classic. Yes. Uh, and, you know, maybe their three-point percentage will come down because Danny Green is bombing seven a game at 45% right now. Yeah, but also and CJ Miles shooting. and Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. aren't shooting well. And he, even OG so. hasn't shot the ball particularly well. Surge has only hit one, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, not to refer to guys by their first name. I hate when other people do that. I just caught myself doing it. OG's the only one I feel like you can. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I don't like Surge. I should have said Ibaka. I hate myself, Eric. Yeah, that's... well, we don't need to go into this. That's on uh, yeah. Thursday Therapist. Yes. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> that's a different podcast. The takeaway here, the Raptors offense has been very good. It could be even better. Um, You know, if they once they figure things out, I would assume Kawhi Leonard, the rate of isolations he's using will come down as he gets more comfortable and, you know, builds more pick and roll chemistry. But even out of the post, 
found Danny Green twice against Dallas early in that oh, run. That one, yeah. the one just like baseball pass yeah. to the corner. And I asked Danny Green about it after. He's like, well, someone's got, like, it's a good thing I was there because Kawhi's just going to throw that every time. Um, yeah, anyway, their, their chemistry is interesting. It's like, like Danny Green has such a keen sense of when when Leonard is going to do what Leonard is going to do and where along yeah. the three-point line. Like, he almost seems to know, like, if Leonard's posting up, okay, well, which way is he going to spin? Or things like yeah, that. Yeah, and he that's just another that. element to the offense, right? Yeah. Like, it's that, you know, it's it's hard to measure rather than by, like, assists from one player to another, yeah. which isn't... Yeah, and their really assist rate as a team isn't yeah. isn't very good. But, it's like, middle that, of the pack. that definitely got them going on, on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And... It's sort of not a fail-safe quite, but when you have individual, you know, pairs of players, I would say Valanchunas and Lowry are like this, and, and Leonard and Green seem to be like this, that you can sort of build th- pieces of the foundation on, it makes building off that so much easier, and, right. and you always have something to fall back on. And, you know, that's why they're scoring this well, even though it still sort of looks jagged in some places. Yeah, it looks, ragged, it looks a little disjointed is, at yeah, times. Yeah, ragged is the word I was looking yeah. for. And it doesn't matter, because certain guys know what certain guys are doing. And and the guy Kyle who's isolating is, a lot is, is tremendous at yeah. it. Kawhi Leonard uh, shooting exactly 50% from the floor, which is really satisfying. 50.00000%. Um, putting up 266 points per game and uh you know hitting threes at a at a pretty decent clip himself so yeah you know things are things are good on the offensive end they, i think there's more kind of low-hanging fruit on the defensive end which is just maintaining it as the quality of competition demands you know that dallas game even as that lead came down there was kind of the sense of like okay well you know that pull away run is they were never gonna lose their pull away speed is is a term that i've used about this team and, and like We've seen it a couple times already where a team hangs around and then something just clicks. And it's like, yeah, well, this is the run. This is the run, whether it's, you know, Lowry and Leonard together or Lorenzo Brown having just a tremendous nine-minute stretch. Uh, steal layup, steal layup. Yeah, just or dunk. strip Jalen Br- Brunson and go in for the dunk, yeah. Poor. He had another one. He poked, a, he poked a J.J. Barea pass, yeah. and then it ended up being a layup. Good for him. Yeah, it and is good And also, him. anybody who... Complained to me about the offense looking stagnant, and with, and they're like, "What does he, Lorenzo Brown, bring?" First of all, the offense was stagnant because he wasn't taking shots he should have taken, uh, yeah. and when you don't take shots that are that those shots that are there, that's what happens. As he's, Fred VanVleet yeah. urged him at yeah, halftime. Yeah. But also, he's a fourth point guard. He's in a very tough position. And you saw how talented or how useful he can be. Yeah. And again, he's your fourth point guard. Yes. There used to be a time when NBA teams didn't have fourth point guards. And here's the, not the, dirty secret, I guess, the second unit offense has looked disjointed no matter who's at that point yeah. guard position if Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard are off the floor so far. I wrote about it this week when we thought DeLon Wright was coming back. He only played a half of basketball and then Fred Van Bleed hit the shelf yeah. as well. Um, so we'll, we'll give updates on those guys from practice momentarily. But the entire second unit offense has not looked good. Basically, if Lowry and Leonard aren't on the floor, um, even if they're kind of playing through Valanciunas a little bit yeah. more, that group... Those, JV has looked good, but the group as a whole yes. is not. 
Yeah, and uh, you know those groups are always probably going to be fine defensively yeah. because against other benches, there's just especially if Ibaka's with that group defensively, they can just do so much more against less talented lineups. Yeah, I think that's probably why we both. I, I don't want to. Okay, why I thought OG Anunoby would be starting more often than Pascal yes, Siakam, Siakam just to get that ball extra handling play, in the second playmaking in that group. Um, it makes such a difference to be able to swing it to a player who at least can take a dribble that gets the defense on its heels. Mm-hmm. And then either like a kickout opens up or, you know, the, de- the defense just starts to contract towards the rim, not just the guy who's guarding, who, who's guarding the ball handler, but the whole defense. And that's, you know, and that's how you get three pointers basically yeah. is by having guys who can attack quickly without, you know, having to hesitate upon catching the ball. Yeah, and Siakam's played, you know, the bulk of his minutes with the starters. His usage rate is super low. Um, When he has attacked, you know, he's got a high turnover rate right now. He hasn't quite figured out that balance yet. Um, And, you know, this is important. This is part of why they're having guys bounce between units because you need that experience playing with the starters in case you're going to close a game in the playoffs for your defense or... Whatever. Um, I agree. I thought Siakam would make more sense with the bench, but I also thought Ibaka would make more sense with the bench in most matchups, and Nick Nurse has not agreed with me for the most part. And it's um, still going to, like, we'll get there. Yeah. Look, DeLon Wright being back and Fred Van Vliet being healthy will help those groups yeah. a lot. Speaking um, of, DeLon Wright is expected to play on Monday, as is OG Ananobi, uh, who didn't, OG Ananobi did not participate in practice today uh, because of personal reasons yes. and will meet the team in Milwaukee on Monday. We have five updates, actually, from practice. Update the first I just gave you. Yes. Update the second so DeLon, I DeLon just DeLon Wright gave you. practiced, um, which I feel like is important to note. Um, and he's expected to play. They could obviously turn around. I'm sure he'll be listed as questionable. But yeah. um, OG Ananobi away from the team Friday for personal reasons, still away from the team. Fred Van Vliet spoke to the media, which usually means a guy is going to play, but Fred Van Vliet loves the media. Uh, so maybe he just wanted to do a 10-minute scrum and two walkaways uh, yeah. because that made his Sunday. Uh, Fred <laughs> Van Vliet will be listed as questionable. He himself said he's still day-to-day. Uh, and he doesn't really... Aren't we all? And he doesn't know how you sprain a toe. He was not wearing shoes which I don't know if that's related or not. He's just trying to let those bad boys air out. I'm not sure. Um, the other two, Jordan Lloyd, with the team at practice today, will travel to Milwaukee, start the clock on his two-way deal in those 45 days. Chris Boucher, same thing. Chris Boucher, who had 21-10 and 10 at halftime of a G League game on Friday. Rippers down to five, baby. They are going to the win five. the championship unless everyone on their team gets called up, which is a, a real possibility. possibility. Yeah. Um, they're going to be really good. They beat a team 141-109, and it's like an actual team. Tolzman was holding them back. Yeah. Chad Sanders, the, the real... And Stackhouse. The real executive of the year. Yeah. Fire nurse, hire jammer. Are we going to get the, the last... <laughs> the, the whole... The entirety of the last two years, I would get lots of Fire Casey call-up stack tweets. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see if, if we get any of that love for Jamma. Yeah, the Raptors organization just might not lose a game this year. They might not. Let, let's get let's let the 905 play a regular season no, game before we get there. It's over. Um, anyway, I thought it was interesting that Boucher and Lloyd are traveling because, like, first of all, it's a one-game road trip, and yeah, I know it's a back-to-back, um, but it seems weird to need that depth if Ananobi and Wright are both expected to play and Van Vliet's yeah. questionable. They could conceivably have 16 guys. Yeah, it's weird to me. Maybe they're just guarding against setbacks or those guys not being available for yeah. whatever reason. Or maybe someone's sitting one half of that back-to-back. Nick Nurse downplayed the idea of Kawhi Leonard sitting. He basically, this is a back-to-back 
but it's also two games in six days. Yeah, they have so, two get two days off before and two days off after. So as far as back to backs go, it's about as light a back to back as you can get. Um, you know, unless both games were at home or something like that. But Nick Nurse, he didn't he didn't say Kawhi Leonard would not sit one part of the back to back, but he certainly made it seem like it's not a it's not something we need to discuss every time the team yeah. has a back to back. Yeah, it didn't sound like it was part of the plan. Yes. Capital, capital. T, capital P. Uh, yeah, now during the West Coast trip, I would expect him to sit, my guess at is Utah. the Monday against yeah. Utah, but who knows. Yeah, so we can look ahead a little bit to that. Obviously at Milwaukee and then versus Philadelphia are big games. After that, the Raptors will start, um, they'll go out on a four-game West Coast trip that only lasts uh, six days. So it's a, it's a little compressed. to go, tight. And it's a weird travel one where they go Phoenix, L.A., Utah on a back-to-back, and then Sacramento. They kind of zigzag around. Yeah. Um, the second night of a back-to-back in Utah is going to be a very tough game anyway. Utah's good. They're very good at home. It's a back-to-back on the West Coast. There's some elevation in Utah, yes. right? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. If we want to make excuses beforehand. I'm not, I don't know if it's even excuses or just that game makes a lot of sense for some guys to sit at. Yeah. Like, you, you have four games and six nights on your first West Coast trip. That game is probably a schedule loss. Yes. It would make sense to me. I'm not a sports science guy, though. A sports scientist? I am. Sports scientist? Sure. I I got 80 in grade 10, grade 11 biology, so that qualifies me. The last time I took a science course. I almost went to school for kinesiology. I applied to every university for just like a bunch of random different things, and I was down to deciding between that or Queen's Business, and, you know, I chose the one that I didn't end up liking or using so yeah. where did you go where were you going to go for kinesiology um i believe to i don't remember now western maybe no western was psychology brock if you can walk and talk yeah i don't remember now i just remember i had like five different schools and five different programs and my guidance counselor was like what the hell are you doing i'm like well Throwing shit against a wall. I'm 17. <laughs> I don't I don't know what you want from me here. I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. Yeah. And I didn't think you could actually write about sports and get paid for it. So, Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> I would have went there right away. Yeah. Yeah. Not right to that wall. Whatever. Uh, yeah, so the, I guess that's not beat writer minutia, but beat writer flashback. So. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Ryerson Journalism. Yeah. What, and the, what a program. And the one year I did at UBC Journalism yeah. and then dropped out. Less of a shout-out to them. Yes. But now I have that JAMA connection, so. It all Both of us. Two legendary Thunderbirds, Blake Murphy and John Malalela. Yeah. Um, okay, so this week ahead. Uh, so, awkwardly, so I'm going to ask you this. I don't know if you'll get mad at me for this. I think we should pause, I think we should record the next episode of the podcast Wednesday or Thursday. That way, I don't have to record one from the road on the West Coast trip. So we'll get through Milwaukee and I'm Philly. I'm so mad. Well, it's just it's annoying to have to talk to me for half an hour twice in one week. I certainly wouldn't want to do that. So Well, we'll do that. and then We'll do it Wednesday or Thursday, and then we'll do one when I'm back off the road after that trip. Oh, you want to do it this Wednesday? Yeah, like I, I want to do it like after this yeah. back-to-back. We can talk about this off air. Okay. Anyway, I'm just well. So the reason I was bringing it up is because normally I make you predict. Yeah. What's going to happen? So yeah. I'm curious about to make you predict two games or four games or six games. Yeah. Or, okay. So well, let's just stick to let's, Milwaukee. Let's stick to two games, okay. and uh, you'll have to do without my predictions if, if for some reason we don't. Okay. Um, let's yeah. talk about the Bucks in general. Okay. 
you are writing about the Bucks. It will be up on The Athletic Toronto, which you can find at theathletic.com. And if you go to theathletic.com slash something, there's 30% off right now. NBA 30? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Theathletic.com slash NBA 30. If you're listening to this and you don't already subscribe, um, go to one of my articles, not one of Eric's. Click subscribe. Get that 30% <laughs> discount. Um, anyway, uh, so you... Metrics! Have, you have written about the Milwaukee Bucks by the time this goes on the air. What is your take on the Milwaukee Bucks who look... My take is that, look, I'm in constant fear of a great many things, most of them existential. This is, is a tangible, tangible fear. The Milwaukee Bucks are scary. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a lot of things that the internet was yelling at them to do like, over the like last Like, join us in 2018? Yeah, and I usually roll my eyes at that because I think it's just so... I'm not that... which. You might not feel from my Twitter feed. I don't really enjoy snark. Uh, I enjoy, like, objectively making fun of people and being open about it. But the holier-than-thou aspect of it, which I definitely dabble in. I don't really... I dabble. Yeah, I dabble. Uh, I definitely don't enjoy. But it was so clear that this team, on both ends of the floor, was playing... In a, this sort of regressive way around, like the most progressive player in the in the NBA or one of the top yeah. two. He's completely. Players. He's a completely yeah. modern player. He's a seven footer who is strong, who is fast, who could do everything. The only thing not modern about him is that he can't really shoot. Yeah. And the answer to that is that you surround him with guys who can. It's the same thing LeBron the teams did with LeBron James early in his career. It's the same thing Philly does with Ben Simmons. The answer to not being a great shooting threat is to be surrounded by great shooting yeah, threats. Yeah, and the great thing about that is now you don't... I, I, I haven't looked at the pick-and-roll numbers. Maybe at some point you'll be able to dig this up for me. I would guess they're not running that many pick-and-rolls because why get that many people involved with... Giannis, when he can take anybody one to one on one, like you don't want to present the opportunity to go under on a screen. It just, it, it just disrupts what's going on on the floor for Giannis. You want him in as much space as possible because there's not a single defender who you're really. Uh, I mean, if there are, the Raptors have one of them, but you, you don't need to get him on a matchup because he in in it just by existing, he is a matchup problem. Yes, it, um, it's almost more interesting if he's the screener. Yes. Uh, so he is only finishing three possessions per game as a pick and roll ball. Yeah. So that is you know that's not even in the top fifty. Yeah. In the in the NBA and for his level of usage, obviously he's a super high usage player. So. Yeah. So the concept of going under and making him take a twenty footer, which was basically what happened in the entire Raptors Bucks series two years ago is less of a concern now because you can back off him, but he's going to use all that space, which doesn't include one of his teammates and one of his, and one of the opposing, def- and an extra opposing defender mm-hmm. to his advantage. And because of his width or his length, uh, he can get at all these different angles that you can't necessarily envision. That you but, can't see yeah, or you yeah, can't reach. Yeah, but he can. Yes. He, can he sees, you know, geometry's different for him. Yeah. Um, so... It's just a super exciting way for them to play. I don't, and, it was, and it's simple. It's yeah. simple. So like it's is, not. The it's, the there's nothing use, complicated about it. I used it. the term earlier in this podcast about the Raptors. It's just like 
yeah, Budenholzer's a good coach, and he's a good system coach, and he's doing some good things there from what it looks like with, with what they're doing on the defensive end and not just aggressively trapping everything and then not having a defense after that, um, which, you know, was an issue for them for a couple years. But there's also just, like, a ton of low-hanging fruit there. And some of that is how you use Giannis. Some of that is how you space guys around him, like pushing Chris Middleton to the corner instead of the dunker spot so that he's not the league's most prolific mid-range shooter, even though he's a good three-point shooter. So, so what's crazy about this is they have gone from 25th in the league in three-point rate. And by three-point rate, I don't mean percentage. I mean the percentage of your shots that are taken behind the three-point line yeah. to second. From yeah. 25th to second. That's a ridiculous jump. The only real – like, they, they have tweaked the roster. Yeah, Jabari, Par- Jabari Parker's gone. And Brooke he Lopez was is in. Yeah. And Brook Lopez is taking six and a half a game, yeah. which is crazy, but he's a good shooter. Um, but, you know, you look at their top three-point shooters. Well, Middleton, Bledsoe, Brogdon, Snell – we're all there before. Yeah. They brought in Ilya Sova, which is a nice that's a that's a great fit for what they're doing. And he'll have um, twenty three and seven tomorrow, by yeah, the way. Dante DiVincenzo, who Kyle Lowry will surely try to draw a charge from or uh, pull up a three on because of the Villanova connection. Yeah. We saw what he tried to do to poor Jalen Brunson. Um, you know, he he's an addition who can shoot a little bit. Even Pat Connaughton, you know, he's he hasn't played a ton, but he can get the three balls up. So all of these end of roster guys, like, yeah, well, you should value shooting over other skills in, in terms of your role players. And, yeah, the guys on your team who were already there who can shoot threes, yeah, you should tell them to shoot a lot more threes, and you should space them appropriately around Giannis. Yeah, it's just, it's very simple, and it's unlocking Giannis. And now, as the season goes on, the pressure, be, you know, falls onto his shoulders to really start developing, not developing, mastering the playmaking aspect of it and seeing, because I think if there's a weakness right now, like he's still not that next, he's a great passer, but he's not that next level passer who can see, like with LeBron, it's unfair to compare people's vision to LeBron, but he he sees somebody hedging uh, or, or like taking a step off his man the minute it happens and Giannis has to get closer to that to fully optimize what they're doing. Um, now, but they're going to be damn productive whether he you know, masters it or gets 60% of it. You know? So the other interesting thing that Milwaukee has done, very Oklahoma City approach to defensive rebounding. Um, Brooke Lopez is averaging 2.2 defense rebounds per game in 25 minutes. It's not many. It's not many. And he's, you know, he hasn't been uh, necessarily an elite rebounder, but his teams have generally rebounded well when he's on the floor. The reason being, he's very good at boxing out and doing the Steven Adams thing where you take two bodies out and that clears space for someone else to grab the rebound. You know, we've seen with Westbrook and Adams in the past where Westbrook gets these substantial defensive rebound numbers and then just grabs the ball and sprints off in the other direction. The Raptors did a little bit with Kyle Lowry last year when Lowry had the spike in defensive rebounding rate. It was like, oh, if we can save a pass and two seconds off the clock getting the ball to the point guard, well, that that makes the transition game so much deadlier. Giannis Antetokounmpo is averaging 11.2 defensive rebounds in 31 minutes. Uh, He's getting a lot of them. Surprisingly, Milwaukee is not uh, a great transition offense yet. It's a very small sample uh, of six yeah, games. Yeah, I'd bet on them figuring that out. I would bet on them being a top-five transition offense team uh, because you think of teams like Washington or Oklahoma City I where don't. it's a point guard. No, nobody wants to think <laughs> of Washington. Um, where you, th- you see a point guard who's that fast and can find corner shooters that well uh, in transition. Well, Giannis can be that at least in terms of getting ahead of steam 
in transition. He's so good going to the basket in transition that the score first option will probably always be the, the first option for him. But if Milwaukee's a little more athletic and they're surrounded with shooters and he's getting every defensive rebound, well, it stands to reason that they're going to get a lot of transition threes off of all of the attention because you're going to send two to Giannis in transition. Um, that's something to watch for. I think that's the biggest thing to watch for uh, because the Raptors haven't been necessarily the sharpest with transition threes. Um, their transition defense has been solid in general. Uh, I think Danny Green is the best transition defender of all time. Uh, but yeah, that'll be something to watch for. Giannis getting ahead of steam off of these defensive rebounds and just sprinting the other way. Yeah. It's dangerous. I mean, you really you have to slow him down immediately because if he gets to half court and he's picking up speed, that is problematic. It's it just make him take a a uh, lateral dribble if yes. you can. Um, that will go a long way. And you know what? You have guys like, not guys like, you have Kyle Lowry who always sort of tries to get that strip. And while you want your your guys back, that something like that might ha- help in terms of just slowing it down by a second, which could make all the difference in the world. And then Tuesday, they're back in Toronto. Second night of a back-to-back, they have the Sixers. Sixers yeah. are off to a less spectacular start than the Raptors and Bucks. They're 3-3. Three and three. Their offense has been quite shaky. Their defense has been fine. Uh, Joel Embiid, not off to a great start shooting from beyond the arc. Dario Saric, not off to a great start shooting behind the arc. Ben Simmons, still a coward. Shoot a three, you coward, as Brian yeah, Colangelo's yeah. <laughs> uh, wife, wife uh, is alleged to have tweeted. Um, even Markel Fultz, you know, he's taken he's taken three three point attempts or six three point attempts uh, so far. So their their offense has been a little shaky. Obviously, they present huge problems. Um, Embiid and Simmons are both averaging double doubles. Simmons something close to a triple double with seven and a half assists a game. Um, what do you think? You know, Simmons I think is a reasonable comparison to Giannis obviously not as deadly and he's more of a natural passer than a yeah. scorer uh, but you add Embiid into that mix um, you add JJ Redick who's one of the best off ball the, the JJ Redick Danny Green dance is going to be a lot of fun yeah. I think because Danny Green's very good with those kind yeah of guys. it becomes so much more of a physical game yes. I think um, as big as Giannis is he's still he's just hard to get in front of to really put a body on, and they're going to call freedom of movement stuff on that anyway. Mm. Um, but uh, it's just going to be a completely different game, I feel like, and that's where the, you know, Kawhi Leonard obviously huge in terms of just, I think you put him on Simmons and uh, and try to slow them down from that perspective and transition, and then Jonas and Serge Ibaka have a uh, a job in front of them, but their offense really isn't clicking. They're not deep, especially with Mike Muscala just coming back, and I think Wilson Chandler's still out. Yeah, um, Jared Bayless is out. Not that he would yeah. see time because they more free T.J. McConnell. Um, it's you know a lot of the fears that people had about that team have certainly popped up in the early yeah. season. But early season is the best yeah. way. They're young. Yeah. Super young. They'll yeah. figure it out. It's back to back. It'll be nice to see a mirror. Yeah. Although uh as some uh as one NBA insider mentioned to me, I fear a mirror is washed. Ah. An NBA insider. That might have been the wrong term. Anyway. Uh, anyway, somebody whose name I'm not going to reveal. Um which is sad for all of us. Yeah. But 
He'll he'll stick around a while as like a good locker room vet yeah. guy anyway. Like, and he's, he's still useful in certain ways. Yeah, he's very smart. Um, okay, so those two games. I'm predicting they go one and one, lose in Milwaukee, bounce back in Philly, but I would bounce back in Toronto against Philly. I would prefer that the games were in reverse order, but the games from, were played in reverse yes, order from a win loss standpoint. Yeah. It's easier yeah, for I think me. you're it's, comfortable at home against Philly if it's not a back-to-back. It's easier for me to. It's slightly easier for me to see them going out in two than two, two and zero, oh, but it's close. You know, Milwaukee's good. Yeah. Should I? I should I share my conspiracy theory about? Yes. So look. I don't know what it is. Oh no, we already talked about the Leonard back-to-back thing. I just think it would be. It's not even a conspiracy theory. I just think it would be very funny of them to look at the schedule. Two games in six days, but it's a back-to-back, and be like, you know what? We might have lost to Milwaukee, so we're just gonna rest Leonard and just not give Milwaukee that mental edge of, you know, having beat a, a full health Raptors team. Just don't give them, don't give it to them. Uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. It'd be some fun gamesmanship. Yeah, it's too early in the season, and I think you concede too much about. Actually, you, maybe you can see too much about your perception of Milwaukee as a threat, but maybe also you just you, you give them that insecurity of the Don Draper, oh, we don't think about you at all. We're not even going to play Kawhi against you. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm trying to figure out way too much about what they might be thinking. Yeah. This is what happens when you're nebulous about the plans for rest. Yeah. I, get to, I get to cook up ridiculous airbrand like, theories. Hey, how are you feeling? Yeah. Here's your workload. Oh, yeah, they Do you use data play? and science yeah. and... And heard like, the, I heard the jury's him, still out on science. The, they get him into the games that he's in good shape to play. Sometimes and... science is wrong. Smack a bitch sticker on Galileo if you know you're always sunny in Philadelphia. I, I which it's clearly yeah. drawing a blank on you. Yeah, I'll show I, you the clip when we're off the air. It's very funny. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's, uh, this is 40 minutes, so that's probably enough for this week. It's more than you deserve. Yeah. Um, I would like to talk again this week because I don't want to have to record from the West Coast, but we'll figure that out. Um, are you caught up on Riverdale? I'm one episode behind now. Okay. But I saw you tweeting about the first two. Yeah, they were bad. Yeah. <laughs> the show is bad. Yeah. I won't mention anything specific about it because this latest episode is even more ridiculous and I don't want to give anything it's away. But you need, to ca- you need to be caught up because eventually we're going to hit a point in the season where we don't have a lot to talk about. No, gonna... I'll be caught up like okay. I... You going on this trip will help me catch up, I feel. Why? Do I take a lot of your time? No, it's not you going on this trip. It's you not a, going on the trip? me not going on it, and B, them not being here means I am yes. home. Six and days on le- the road. There is less commuting. Yeah. Um, um, are you excited for me to get to do Beat Writer Minutia Yes, I, I want like a list of three Beat Writer Minutia stuff that you didn't either expect or just noteworthy stuff when we, I already when went we off I already went off book everyone was like all the other writers were like well you the, the move is to stay at the airport Marriott in LA and then just like Uber in or whatever and I bucked that I have Airbnb very close to Staples Center so I can yeah. just run across the freeway and get to the uh, yeah no it makes sense uh, especially because you're going to be there for a longer time than uh, yeah I'm going to be in LA for four days yeah so then, you don't want to be at the airport it'll be fun if I, I would want to be at the beach show off you know. yeah i mean three of those days are like the raptors yeah. are going to practice on the saturday yeah. and then they play the lakers on the sunday yeah. and then i have wolf i'm going doing wolf's clippers yeah. um to see my sons yeah see the battle for sonship 
which one is getting put up for adoption, Wiggins and Alexander? Uh, who could it be? Yeah, who, who's <laughs> going to win that battle, I wonder. Um, Alexander's looks really nice. Yeah. Sorry, Gilgis Alexander. He does not like when... SGA. Yeah, he doesn't like the if it gets shortened to a single last name, which makes sense because he has two last names. Oh, do we need to talk about wrestling? That was an upsetting week. Oh, yeah, I don't really want to... I mean, we can. The Roman Reigns stuff is really sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably too complicated to talk about. Yeah, there's like, just a, there's just a lot too between the Roman Reigns stuff, evolution being today, Arabia and stuff. being just a joke, and the Saudi Arabia stuff, yeah. and Hogan coming back, and Ugh. it's all just a mess. This is why, look, it's been very healthy for me to watch much much less wrestling yeah. since the G1 ended. <laughs> That's never been said before. I am going to a live one though on November 11th. There's New Japan's here mm. at Matami, I think. Yeah. Took, taking my brothers. That'll be fun. The Murphy no, brothers. No Kenny Omega, though. Uh, Hates Canada. I'm seeing Lost Campesino that night. Sweet. I've never seen them live. I've seen them a few times. Get me some merch. Okay. Um, what else do I have coming up? The day before that, I think Boy Genius is here. That's the, the Knicks yeah. afternoon game, right? Is that the 3 10? o'clock start? Yeah, 3, 3.30. Baby. Love it. I love weekend afternoon games so much yeah three 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 thirty is kind of an awkward one because we're not going to get out of there till like yeah. seven thirty or eight but i we'll like the one there. o'clock ones everybody else complains about having to wake up early i love my hottest take that people get mad at me about is i love the first playoff slot early in the afternoon like as oh, a game yeah. one yeah i no, think it's so amazing like, I'd sort of rather it start at one thirty versus 12 30 but yeah. whatever i yeah. don't get to choose everything yeah um yeah that's great Stop making your water bottle noise into the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe that's a sign that I'm getting antsy to leave. Yes, we should probably wrap this up. Um, all right. We will talk about... We'll have some Riverdale or something. Yeah. We, we can talk about Sabrina the Teenage Witch, too. I, I'm, not, well, I'm not doing that. I watched the first episode just to see what the vibe was. It was Riverdale-esque? Uh, yeah, it's a little... It probably gets super campy eventually. It was a little more like... Not gritty, but it seemed like a real show. Yeah. Like the, the <laughs> Unlike like the horror, like the horror elements are like I don't know. I could see people like more earnestly liking it. Look, having only seen one episode, the presentation I could see people more earnestly liking it. The big difference I think was when they decided not to put it on the CW. It's going right to Netflix. That allows you to, that allows you certain freedoms, even though the character is sixteen. The dance sequence at the prison Riverdale <laughs> was. Also, how were they singing? How, how are they mic'd up? You're not supposed to pay attention to these things. And then Veronica just stops singing and nothing changes. Yeah. It's, uh, a, it's a lot. There's a lot of plot holes there. And also, like I tweeted, this week is why does week. Veronica not record every conversation with her dad? Yeah. Well, okay, I have something to say about that, but you're not caught up, so. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyway. Have I figured out Riverdale? No. No, it's it's semi-related, but not yeah. quite. All right. I well. just have a theory on something happened. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Anyway. Uh, this thank is you. more than you wanted yes, to hear. Thank you. He's pointing at the microphone. Uh, yes, visual, <laughs> visual cues on an audio medium. All right, that's a sign we should wrap this up. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you. Portals. Portals. Uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys either uh, Thursday or Friday or sometime when I'm out on the West Coast. SCU. It's too late to be. Reasonable